0: Are you doing enough in your life personally and professionally to market yourself? You have questions, and the marketing madmen have answers. Search the marketing madmen on Google or your favorite podcast provider to get practical marketing advice from expert guests who are shaping and reshaping the business world. They say marketing is a madman's game. Join the marketing madmen every Saturday at 4 p.m. to find out why. Surprisingly, i been laying, for your next mistake. I put in work and watch my status escalate. Welcome into the Punt and Pass podcast. I'm your host, Drew Butler, usually joined alongside my co-host, Aaron Murray, but I'm just riding solo for today. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Punt and Pass. Follow me at Drew Butler. Follow Aaron at AaronMurray11. And keep in mind, I know I've said it, For the past couple of weeks, it is in the works. We will have a brand new puntandpass.com debuting soon. It will have everything that you need to stay on top of the news and college football all in one place. Links to all of our locations for podcasts, a spot to blog, a merchandise shop so you can get your gear. I know people have continued to ask about that. We will certainly have it. Links to videos, links to some of our partners and friends. It will be a great spot for you to bookmark and to make sure that you check daily and often to know what is going on in college football. What's going on in college football right now? really not too much. I mean, obviously, we started off this week's episodes of Punt and Pass by recapping the terrible headlines of coronavirus case spikes across the country, across college football campuses, across college football teams, players, staffs, Etc. and we're going to stay away from that today. Yes, we're going to stay away from that, so don't worry about it. I did read a very interesting article that I kind of want to break down, and it goes back to a question that I was asked last week doing an appearance on the Stadium Network. If you don't know what the Stadium Network is, check it out. WatchStadium.com, 24-7 Digital Sports Network. They're also on the Marquee Sports Network if you get that on your sports package. But I do some college football analyst contributor work for them throughout the season they had me on last week and one question that they asked me it was in light of the chuba hubbard mike gundy fallout that we touched on last week but it was more broadly questioned and here was the question that i was asked we've seen players have a stronger voice with several issues in college sports how much more power do players have today than they had even a few years ago like when i played Keep in mind, my last year in college football was 2011. Aaron's was 2013. So yes, that may seem not too long ago when you say the year out loud, but it's 2020. I mean, that was quite a long time ago. I remember specifically when I even signed up for Twitter. It was like Memorial Day weekend, 2009, was with a couple of friends, had heard about this new app called Twitter. What was it? Looked into it, made an account. Have had it ever since. I really enjoy Twitter. I look at it often. I would say that I'm probably addicted to it. I use it more as a news source. I really do. I've got some curated lists that keep me in tune with college football, keep me in tune with punt and pass, keep me in tune with the news, which everybody should and wants to stay away from during these crazy and unprecedented times. But I've really enjoyed using Twitter. Do I use it often? Do I tweet often? No, probably not as much as I should. But during college football season, it's the place to be. I mean if you want your pulse of the nation, pulse of college football, what is going on up to the minute, Twitter is your spot. I mean if you follow specific writers, if you follow specific companies, if you follow specific blogs, Twitter is where you're going to get the majority of your college football news in the fastest fashion. That's just a fact. And speaking of the fastest fashion… Over the past couple of weeks, with everything going on in the world, the coronavirus pandemic, the racial and systemic injustice that has been brought to the forefront of this nation, now college athletes realizing the power that they have to make change at their campuses, to make change within their team cultures, And understanding the following that they have on social media, whether it be Twitter or Instagram or wherever else, they are realizing that they can show their power by sending out a tweet, by making a statement on Instagram. So yes, they do have a much stronger voice in 2020 than they did in 2011 or even 2013. But I think that comes with the realization of their influence through social media and their willingness to speak out amid what is going on in our country right now. So look, I follow Outkick the Coverage and Clay Travis. I would assume that a lot of our listeners of Punt and Pass do the same. Clay keeps it real whether you agree with him or not. He's very consistent with his takes whether you agree with him or not. He chooses Hills to die on, and he will argue his ass off to make sure that he comes out on top of said argument. That's his brand, and he's built an amazing business around it. He hired last week Jason Whitlock. Jason Whitlock, of course, used to be on ESPN. Then he went to Fox Sports 1, very outspoken, very opinionated. Obviously, you have to be. In that realm, but he's good. He's very good at what he does, and he speaks very well. And he's also an extremely accomplished writer. So Clay Travis gets him to join Outkick, especially in a time now where a lot of people are voicing their opinions about many other things other than sports. Just like just like how I was told that nobody wanted to hear about my opinions on the coronavirus pandemic in regards to college football, which I totally understand and I agree with. But Jason Whitlock tells it like it is, and he is not afraid to shy away from just about any opinion, no matter who or what thinks otherwise. So going back to the original question, we've seen players have a stronger voice with several issues in college sports. How much more power do players have today than they did a few years ago? Jason Whitlock writes for Outkick.com this morning. A really interesting article that I would want everybody to read, and the title of the article, the title of the column, is Jack Dorsey is the most powerful man in football. Who is Jack Dorsey? Jack Dorsey is the founder of Twitter.com. And why is he the most powerful man in football? I mean, we've got clear-cut lessons learned from the recent controversies that have taken place at Oklahoma State, Iowa… Most recently, West Virginia. And I'm not arguing whether it's right or wrong, what the coaches have done, what the coaches have been accused of, the actions that they have taken in response to these accusations being brought to light. But it is clear that if star players or players with influence or players with followings go to their social media pages and make accusations against coaches, things are going to happen fast because the, the climate that we're in right now, the cancel culture, whether you agree with it or not, it is you are guilty until proven innocent. So Chuba Hubbard obviously says, hey, I'm not going to do anything with Oklahoma State until this issue is addressed when Mike Gundy wore the OAN shirt. Look, right or wrong, he wore the OAN shirt. Chuba Hubbard fired off on Twitter. They make a video together later on that afternoon. And the story almost shifted because Gundy didn't necessarily make, and he really didn't make an apology in that video, but Chuba Hubbard came out and said, I did this wrong because I went to social media first. I should have just gone straight to Coach Gundy. People are saying, Chubo, you should not have apologized. This is how you feel. And then the next day, Mike Gundy came out made a very strong statement, called himself a dumbass for wearing the shirt, realized that he had hurt his players, realized how insensitive it was to wear the shirt. And now there's been more accusations about how Mike Gundy was as a player at Oklahoma State in the history of him and, and, and his actions and, and will those – have even more repercussions in the coming days or weeks. Who knows? But Chuba Hubbard went to social media. Current Oklahoma State players showed support for him. Former Oklahoma State players stuck up for him and said, you don't understand what it's like day to day. And look, changes are being made, we're told to believe, at Oklahoma State. We'll see. How about when Dabo Sweeney wore the Football Matters shirt? Okay, And his players came out in support of him on Twitter. That was a great showing. right? How about when the former player at Clemson accused assistant coach Danny Pierman of spouting a racial slur at him, and then the entire situation gets brought back to Clemson, and Dabo Sweeney has to make a statement. Dabo Sweeney has to come out with a 12-minute video and say, we're taking care of this. I bring up those two examples because they were the first ones. And like I said last week, in regards to a culture problem at specific schools, because every team is so diverse, and every locker room, the the, the aggregation of people is so special. It really is a brotherhood. If there are real culture problems, you'll see it in recruiting. There's no other way to find out if it's real or not. You will see it in recruiting because – As I said, the coaches can tell the parents whatever they want to hear. The coaches can tell the players whatever they want to hear. If there is a real culture problem, the current players will tell the recruits, don't come here. You're not welcome here. You will not feel right. You will not enjoy your time at this university. And look, if that change does happen in recruiting at Clemson, if that change does happen at Oklahoma State, then clearly there's an issue there. And it will show. How about Iowa coach Kirk Ferentz fired his longtime strength coach, Chris Doyle, after a handful of former Hawkeyes tweeted complaints that Doyle made them feel uncomfortable with this non-PC rhetoric. I am quoting from Jason Whitlock's article. Chris Doyle was the highest compensated strength and conditioning coach in the nation. Chris Doyle is known probably by most every college football player, especially when I was playing Iowa had won the Big Ten a couple of times. I was known for getting two- and three-star recruits, really developing them into NFL talent, into starting collegiate Big Ten talent, and turning those mediocre recruits, if you want to call them that. Hell, I was a two-star. I was a no-star, really. Into Big Ten champions. <laughs> into NFL players. Fired. Former Hawkeyes tweeted complaints that Doyle made them feel uncomfortable. I don't know what the exact wording was. I don't know if it was racial slurs. It was troubling allegations. Chicago Bears offensive lineman James Daniels said black players have been treated unfairly for too long. So clearly, you know, this was racially charged. And enough people came out and spoke against Chris Doyle that, boom, swift action was taken. Yes, he got a severance package, but he's no longer there. Started with social media complaints. Players are realizing the power that they have. That is a powerful, powerful show of force. And warranted or not, it seems like it may be in the case of Chris Doyle, consequences and action follow. Whitlock continues, West Virginia placed defensive coordinator Vic Koenig on administrative leave this week in the aftermath of allegations that Koenig called safety Kerry Martin, the R-word, among other things, and also read him scriptures out of the Bible. I mean that's kind of, I would think, neither here nor there. But calling him the R-word and Koenig said he wasn't feeling comfortable, look, they've placed him on administrative leave. They have to launch an investigation now. The athletic director, Shane Lyons, said, I want to thank Kerry Martin for having the courage to bring his concerns to light. We will not tolerate any form of racism, discrimination, or bias on our campus, including our athletic programs. Coach Vic Caning has been placed on administrative leave effective immediately. Sources said Brown stated that Martin had not come to the head coach to tell Brown about any alleged racism. Martin said he met with Brown, Brown, of course, Neil Brown, the head coach at West Virginia, about the mistreatment that he had received. So where's the line? Where's the line of mistreatment and hard coaching? That's the gray area. That that really is the gray area. I mean, when I was with the Arizona Cardinals, Bruce Arians... I mean, God bless him. I love the guy. I loved him as a head coach. I I loved him as a friend. We played golf together. If I didn't play well, he wasn't going to say very nice things to me. But he always said that when he coached at Alabama, Coach Bear Bryant told his assistant coaches to coach him hard but love him harder. And that's what he did. And I have always appreciated that type of coaching. Right now, it it is 2020, and obviously any racist spoutings are completely uncalled for. and And I've never seen that. I mean, I really haven't. I'll put my hand up right now. I've I've never seen any racism in front of my own two eyes towards players from a coach on a football team that I was on. But Whitlock says in his article, Twitter has instituted a new standard on all coaches. You cannot make young people uncomfortable. You cannot speak to athletes using non-PC language. The standards coaches adopted from military training have been outlawed by social media. Now, Whitlock is painting a pretty broad stroke there. But I think a lot of guys respond really well to hard coaching. And I think coaches, at least when I was playing, my last year playing was 2017 in the NFL, coaches want to know how you react to that. Just like in the military, I would assume. I I haven't been in the military. But if one of your superiors, if one of your coaches wants to challenge you and talk down to you and maybe say some things that are pretty colorful to you, they want to see how you react. They want to see if you break down. They want to see if there's a chink in your armor. And if there is, they go after it, man. (laughs) They want to get a reaction from you, whether good or bad. Because they probably know that when they're coaching you hard, what they're going to get from you in a game. Right? I mean, that makes total sense to me. I was always told, especially in the NFL, hey, if coaches are on your ass, that's a good thing. You should be worried when coaches stop talking to you because that probably means you're going to get cut pretty soon. It's probably the same in college. I mean if coaches are riding you, if coaches are dogging you, if coaches are saying mean shit to you, it's because they want you to get better. It's because they probably see a lot of potential in you. That's how I feel. I, I think it's, but I think that's how a lot of former and probably current football players feel. Whitlock says football coaches can't do that anymore. The power of Twitter has made football and all sports a safe place. I don't know. Again, this makes me go back to the tweet from John Kincaid a couple weeks ago. John Kincaid, of course, a host of Buck and Kincaid on Atlanta Sports Radio 680, The Fan, a guest of the podcast during the Quarantine Chronicles. He had a great tweet, and it was a statistical tweet. And he broke down how many real Americans are on Twitter in respect to the population of America. It's a very small number. It is a very small number. And yes, these instances at Clemson, at Oklahoma State, at Iowa— Now at West Virginia, those are four instances, and and surely there's more to come, but these are specific players speaking out about specific issues. I don't think that's necessarily a broad stroke to say this is happening all over college football. I mean, my parents raised me tough, I would like to think you know i think a lot of successful football players a lot of people who are successful in business a lot of people who are successful in life embrace that adversity lean into it a little bit are thankful for hard coaching are thankful for being pushed to the brink because it makes you realize your potential that that again that's just how i feel people always say as cliche as it may sound The only way to experience real growth is by getting uncomfortable. I mean, it it, it makes me laugh kind of saying it because you read it on a positivity website or a motivational Instagram page, but it's so true. The only way to experience real growth is by becoming uncomfortable. And if that's a coach saying something to you that you don't like, if that's a coach you know, saying maybe some really mean shit to you that you don't like that is disrespectful to you. Maybe it's because he sees greatness in you. Maybe it's because he wants to ride your ass to make you a better player. That's what you're there for, right? I mean, obviously, you're a student athlete. I mean, you've known these coaches. The funniest thing to me in college football, especially like in the world that recruiting is now, so much different than 2006 and seven. And again, I was a no-star punter, so my experience is a hell of a lot different than Eric Murray, who was recruited and offered by every school under the sun. But man, these coaches love you. They text you. They call you. You go to campus. They sit down and eat with you. They're buddy-buddy with you. As soon as you sign that letter of intent, as soon as you sign and you are pen to paper going to that school, man, you don't hear from those coaches until you show up. That's a fact. Their job is done. Then the relationship really begins. And I really do love my college coaches. Coach Rick, I mean, God bless him. Now more than ever, I am so thankful that I had a coach who was consistent day after day. People often ask me, what was Coach Rick like? I say, man, the best thing about Coach Rick, the single best thing about Coach Rick is the person that you saw during weekly press conferences— the person you saw post game after a win or a loss, the person that you saw at a gala or an event that you paid to go to speak, that's the exact same person he was every single day. That's who he was, man. Maybe to a fault, but God, I love that, man. I really do. We still talk to this day. So thankful. those experiences and you talk to other players from other schools who have had other experiences who did not have that type of experience from a head coach and it makes me thankful for coach rick i love john lilly who's now at north carolina coach lilly came to georgia in 2008 he was the tight ends coach did a lot on special teams as well man what a great guy right tough tough coach never really cussed much was very respectful to his players but man when he did cuss it got your attention and you felt like you let him down. He was like that parent figure. He really was. Ask Arthur Lynch. Ask Aaron White. Ask Orson Charles. Those are the guys that can get the most out of their players, whether they're ultra-respectful or maybe disrespectful at times. But I I just I have a hard time grasping with, and again, I'm not saying that this is happening all over the country, I have a hard time thinking that if a coach were to say something to you that would offend you, you could go to Twitter, make a statement, and then that coach could have their career jeopardized. That does bother me. So in that respect, and again, I'm saying Whitlock is painting with a broad stroke here. That worries me. Whitlock rounds it out by saying coaches can no longer substitute as parents. Their interaction with athletes must be consistent with the thoughts and values shared in the athlete's social media cocoon. Jack Dorsey, Twitter's founder, Whitlock says, is the head coach at Alabama. I mean, that's funny, right? The guy is writing an opinion column. That's clear. But it really makes you think. He says Jack Dorsey, the founder of Twitter, is the head coach at Alabama. What if a former player came out right now or a current player at Alabama came out right now and spouted off some crazy accusation against Coach Saban or against any assistant coach at Alabama? What would happen? An investigation would be launched. Shots would be fired at Nick Saban's character. They would try to tarnish his career in the social media streets, which of course is not reality as we have learned. But in these instances, college, football, student-athletes, really student-athletes in general, are realizing the influence and the power that they have for better or for worse. And in some instances, I can guarantee you that it is warranted. And maybe the reactions are just. But I think it is worrisome to realize that If we have to really tone down how we coach our kids, how coaches and players' relationships evolve based on what may be said in an emotional social media post, that's a slippery slope. That's a slippery slope. Maybe you agree with me. Maybe you don't. Whether you do or you don't, I'd love to have a conversation with you. So follow us on social media, at Punt and Pass on Twitter and Instagram. I am at Drew Butler on Twitter and Instagram. Please let us get some headlines about football this fall. Tomorrow I think I'm going to break down some rankings I saw about SEC quarterbacks heading into 2020. A lot of question marks. And one recurring theme that I keep hearing that seems to come up every offseason is, is Florida closing the gap? On Georgia. I've got thoughts about it. I have got thoughts about it. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks so much for spending time with me. Let me know if you agree or disagree. Be sure to keep it locked in right here on Punt and Pass, brand new puntandpass.com, coming soon, and we will talk to you tomorrow. See you.